Welcome to What's a Crime, I'm Linda, and today we're gonna be talking about the phone call we heard in court where Melanie Gibb called Lori and Chad Daybell almost two weeks after the welfare check in Rexburg, Idaho. I'm gonna do a little deep dive in it, exposing the lies and the truths, and sharing some insights. But before I get into it, if you'd like to be part of the It's a Crime community, please click that subscribe button below and hit that notification bell to all. Please share this out where you can and like it if you support it. Now, let's get into it. So I'll play the call in segments and then we could do a little deep dive into it. Now, let's set the scene first. This call is made in the afternoon of Sunday, December 8th, 2019. The kids have been missing at this point for three months. Lori and Chad are married and have been married for about a month when this call occurred. And the welfare check happened on November 26th, 2019, just 12 days prior. Now the authorities announced that both kids were officially missing on December 20th, which is 12 days after this call. Lori and Chad flew to Hawaii on December 1st from Los Angeles, so they've been there about a week at this point. Lori and Chad asked Melanie to lie about the whereabouts of JJ, and Lori said that JJ was at a Frozen 2 movie with Melanie, and she asked Melanie to just snap a bunch of pictures of kids running around to make it look like JJ was there. Now for the call, let's have a listen. And I am calling Chad Daybell's phone number, and Hopefully I will be talking to both of them, Chad and Lori. So here goes the phone call. Hello, sweet Melanie. Hi, Chad. Hey, Lori. So I'm curious, before this call was actually made, if Melanie texted Chad's number or something like that saying, hey, do you guys have a minute? Because Melanie phones Chad's cell number and she immediately says, hi, Chad. Hey, Lori. But we only hear Chad pick up the phone. Let's continue. Lori. We're in the phone. How are you guys? We're okay. How are you doing, babe? I'm doing pretty good, thanks. I was wondering, where, where are you guys? We're just hanging out. Hanging out? Are you, are you in Idaho? We're no. in Idaho. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Melanie asks, I was wondering where you guys are. And she says, are you guys in Idaho? Chad kind of chuckles, and both of them keep quiet as to where their location is. But right here is a great clue for the authorities because Chad says nowhere near Idaho, and that's because Chad and Lori were in Hawaii at this point. They've been there for almost a week. And Chad and Lori left to Hawaii on December 1st from Los Angeles Airport. This is also right after the dates that Alex married Zulema and Melanie Pulowski married Ian. Also, as I mentioned earlier, this call was made 12 days after the welfare check. And Lori and Chad made a break for it the next day on the 27th when the police came back with a search warrant. It is reported that Chad took his kids to Disneyland that week after the search warrant and the welfare check. 
and it's the same time conveniently as those other marriages happened. In the courtroom footage, you could see Mr. Wood starting to write on paper as soon as Melanie says, are you guys in Idaho? Just an observation, let's continue. Um, I just wanted to ask you a question if you don't mind, Lori. Yeah, of um, course. I, mean, I want to know, um, you remember we talked about JJ going to Case House and you told me they went there and now he's not there? I was wondering what happened. Now here, this is referring to the fact that Lori told Melanie that she went to the airport with JJ to meet up with Kay. She says she told Kay that she had cancer to convince Kay to take JJ, and this happened around a week after Melanie was at Lori's house, and that would also mean a week after JJ was killed. So putting that date around the end of September, and here's what it says in the court document. Approximately one week after Gibbs' September visit to Rexburg, Vallow informed Gibb that she had arranged for JJ to go live with his grandma, Kay Woodcock. Vallow further told Gibb she had told Kay that she had cancer in order to convince Kay Woodcock to take JJ. Vallow further elaborated to Gibb that she had traveled with JJ and handed him off to Kay in an airport. So, um, you remember we talked about JJ going to Kay's house and you told me they went there? And now he's not there. I was wondering what happened. Well, I had to move him somewhere else because of her actions. So now I find Lori's choice of words very, very interesting in this segment. I had to move him somewhere else. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was talking about my child being somewhere and then for his safety, having him to go somewhere else, I don't know that I would use her words. I had to move him somewhere else. It sounds like she's talking about an inanimate object to me, doesn't it? What do you think? I had to move him somewhere else. I just found that a little bit odd to me. Was she, was she doing something? Like, was she trying to come get him or something? Or, like, trying to kidnap him? Well, she's, yeah, she said that lots of times before, but... Now, here we know that Kay and Larry had been trying to see JJ. They would FaceTime JJ often, and their last communication was on August 10th on a FaceTime call. And it was very, very short. So yeah, Kay was sending emails to Lori asking, hey, we'd like to see JJ. And in one of them, it says, well, it's not like I'm going to kidnap JJ or anything. So Lori takes the word kidnap and runs right with it. Yes, Kay and Larry were trying to contact her so that they could see JJ through phone, email, text, whatever they could do to get a hold of her. And Lori threw a hissy fit not long after Charles was killed because Charles changed the beneficiary of his life insurance to Kay and it wrecked Lori's plan, according to Lori, and she's not too happy about it. She cuts off communication with JJ August 10th, which is about a month, almost exact to the day that Charles was killed. And then we know what happens next. Um. Okay, I, well, when, you know, when I asked Chad the other day, I was like, hey, um, you know, where, where is JJ? And he said, for my security, he didn't want me to know. So is there a reason I should be in danger to know where he is? 
No, it's nobody. It's his danger. It's the danger that there's people after me. Okay. We so just felt that if you knew, that puts you in a danger. Well, just in a bad position. Yeah, a bad position. Everybody, if they don't know anything, then they don't have to say they know. Right, so you're just worried. Okay. Um, I'm just to keep him protected and... And keep you protected. And keep everybody else I appreciate that. Um, well, I was wondering why you told the police why he was with me. I just needed to use, have somebody that I, so I wouldn't have to tell them where he really was because they were going to tell Kay where he is. So again, at this point, Melanie is asking, why did you tell the police he was with me? when earlier you told me that he was with Kay and you met her at the airport. Also in this clip, as soon as Lori finished talking about, she said, so I wouldn't have to tell somebody where he really was. In court, Chad picks up his pen and starts writing. I thought that was interesting. You can see also the agents in court in the right-hand side of the screen looking at Chad and, and watching what he's doing or reacting. Also, a few very important phrases are in this segment. Lori says it's his danger. She also says keep him protected. Chad pipes in with and keep you protected, meaning Melanie. Interesting note also while I watch, Chad swallows at this point. Just an observation. I just kind of really wanted to see what was happening during this phone call and how he was reacting. Also, in one of the sentences, it sounded like Lori said, I just needed to use, and I thought, like, use you, and she stops herself, and it just says, I just needed to you, and then she changes, and she said, talk to somebody so I wouldn't have to tell somebody where he really was. I just needed to use, have somebody that I, so I wouldn't have to tell them where he really was because they were going to tell Kay where he is. Oh. Yeah, so is it, do you think it's like your family, or, you know, like your family, your dad, or, you know, those well, my people? my family, well, not my whole family, but you, as you know, most of my family is working against me and yeah. with her, basically. Yeah. Is JJ safe? He is safe and happy. Okay, well, that's good to hear. Um... Are you afraid of anything? Like, are you afraid to tell me that you're just afraid that he, um, that I could be in danger? Like you're, you know, like I don't, like if I knew, like how could that hurt me? I don't understand how that could hurt me if I knew where he was. Well, I'm just not telling anybody so that nobody has to say where he is or get questioned to where he is so I can keep him as safe as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Okay, I hope, well, I hope that he's okay. I hope you guys are okay. You mean you can keep your secret as safe as possible, right, Lori? And protected, meaning hidden. Now, at this point, you can hear it in Melanie's voice that she's not really believing Lori at this point in what she's saying. She's hearing the BS spew out of her smirky and jerky mouth, and you can hear her say things coming up like, oh, yeah, ooh, oh, boy. So you can tell that Melanie's starting to really go, this woman is full of you know what. Okay, I hope, well, I hope that he's okay. I hope you guys are okay. I did have a question that I asked Al at one point, your brother, um, 
if um, if I wanted to know, you know, um, like where he was. And he said I did not want to know and that he could not be found. So what does that mean? I don't know why he would say that, but it's the same story. Like I, yeah. I, I, I don't even want Al to know. I don't want anybody to know so that nobody has to be worried about it. I mean, nobody has to be yeah. questioned about it so he can be safe. Yeah, Lori, so he can be safe from anybody finding him, right? And interesting choice of words here again, but it's the same story, she says. That's her exact words, and she says she didn't even want Al to know. That's interesting as well. You'll see why when I get to my timeline at the end of this video. Yeah, so are you, I mean, are you, how, how long are you going to be away for? Like, how, I mean, are you ever going to be able to come out and come back to society again? Or are you going to keep, you know, like, come back? I mean, like, what does that look like? I will do whatever the Lord needs me to do every day, so. Okay. I just wondered if I was ever going to see you again. Absolutely, you will. Okay, so, yep. so maybe when they're done chasing you, you'll be able to come out of, maybe you'll come out again, or? Yeah, I mean, it's a ridiculous thing for them to be working with Kay to find me. There's nothing that's gone on that's, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're working with her in some dark capacity. The police are working with her in some mm -hmm. dark capacity. There's no reason for them to be after me mm -hmm. in the first place. Hmm. Yeah, has she, has she threatened you at all? Yes, lots of times. Oh boy, like, what did she say? Well, it's in emails and everything, so. Mm. So, like, she said she was going to come take him, or she was... There's a lot of things. Yeah. Nellie. I know it sounds like it. I'm just worried for you guys because, you know, he's missing, and, you know... <laughs> I know exactly but... where he is. He's perfectly okay. fine. Okay, well, I hope so. There is one point in this call after she says he's perfectly fine and safe, and it's really hard to make out what she says. If you know what that is, please let me know in the comments below. I'd be very, very grateful. Also, this is where I'm especially grateful for this recording because it's pretty damning in my opinion. This is December 8th. And JJ has been missing for almost three months, and of course, Tylee as well. But here she's talking about JJ. And Lori hasn't shown one iota of a search for these children. And we know they've been deceased for almost three months. In fact, she went to Hawaii, she got married, she's having a grand old time. And here she says right out of her mouth, He's not missing. I know exactly where he is. He's perfectly fine and safe. Boom, Lori. You're busted. I hope next week especially sucks for you. I know exactly Lori. where he is. He's perfectly okay. fine and safe. Okay, well, I hope so. I had, I had a scripture I wanted to share with you, if you don't mind. I'd love it. 
I was thinking about some of the things you guys have gone through, and I saw the scripture today, and I wanted to want you to comment. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question yeah. about scripture. Okay. okay. So, did Alma turn himself into King Noah, or what did, was he required to do? Well, King Noah was incredibly wicked. Yes. And so he he fled his his evil ways, which is which was adultery and and right, living riotously and breaking all the commandments. Right. So what did he? Man. What was he required to do, Alma? He had to go and flee so that he would um, be safe and then help other people realize how you know jacked up the system was and the government was. What about Moroni? What was he required to do at the end? To to carry on those plates and bury them. That was what his responsibility. What did he have to do to do that? Did well, he, he hide? He had to hide. He, he had to hide because they were so. Um, oh. They were so. Um, everybody was killing everybody in the society. Everybody was dying. They were well, killing all the nations. Felt and the scriptures had to hide in the cavity of a rock by day and go out by night. The, pro- the prophets. The prophets did. They did. Yeah. Okay, so so thank you for sharing that. Now, when Lori was talking about hiding them in a cavity of a rock by day and going out by night, I did look up the scripture and I'll read that in a moment. Also, something that gave me chills was also the fact that the kids were found underground and were possibly killed late in the night. So almost like a double meaning, it just it just gave me the chills. Now, notice also in here, there is talk about secret combinations. This is what I'm going to be reading to you. And after this video, you can go check out my video that I created about the secret society or secret combinations that matches a lot of Lori and Chad's behavior. So you might want to check that video out. It says, and I was about to write more, but I am forbidden. But great and marvelous were the prophecies of Ether, but they esteemed him as naught and cast him out, and he hid himself in the cavity of a rock by day, and by night he went forth viewing the things which should come upon the people. And as he dwelt in the cavity of a rock, he made the remainder of this record, viewing the destructions which came upon the people by night." Wherefore, it came to pass that in the first year that Ether dwelt in the cavity of a rock, there were many people who were slain by the sword of these secret combinations, fighting against Coriantumr, hopefully I said that right, that they might obtain the kingdom. And it came to pass that Coriantumr re- repented not, neither his household, neither the people, and the wars ceased not. And they sought to kill Ether, but he fled from before them and hid again in the cavity of the rock. Now back to the call. Okay, I just, this scripture is just something that may be thoughtful for you. For behold, this is Doctrine and Covenants section 3, verse 7 and 8. It says, For behold, you should not have feared man more than God, although men set not the counsels of God to despise his words. Yet you should have been faithful, and he would have extended his arm and supported you against all the fiery darts of the adversary. He would have been with you in every trouble. So when we work with the Lord and are obedient, he has... He's going to protect us from adversarial darts and all kinds of negativity. But when we open the door to Satan, he comes in and then he attacks and then he takes away to make it look like somebody else took it away. But that's not how God works. He doesn't work in darkness. I agree with you 100 percent. And that's what the Lord is doing for me. Exactly what he's doing for me. 
don't know. It's just, it just, it just sounds weird. For darkness, Mel. Darkness is knocking on the door all the time because that's the way dark works with the light. And I promise you that I have done nothing wrong in this case, but sometimes you have to hide in the cavity of a rock for your own life safety. And that's what the Lord requires of you sometimes. And that's how it is. And I'm sorry that's how it is because there is a lot of darkness on the earth. Yeah, I know. Okay. This has after me for zero reason besides the darkness of Kay, which you already know she's dark. I, I, I haven't met her enough to know if she is dark or not. I've just met her slightly, and she seemed like a normal kind of person, but then I haven't engaged with her that much, so I don't know that personally. So you don't know about her changing the thing to for herself to be the beneficiary of the policy and all that stuff? None of that's dark, right? Well, I haven't seen those documents, so I have no way of knowing. You've seen them on my computer. No, I have not. I haven't even looked in on your computer before. You haven't shown me anything. I don't know why you're being controversial to me or if you're recording this conversation for the police or whatever. I don't know what your intention is on this phone call. Well, but with all my heart, and I have forever, and yeah. I will always see you. Now, Lori seems to be testing Melanie at this point because she's saying, well, you've seen that on my computer. And as soon as Melanie sticks up for herself and said, listen, I haven't seen anything on your computer. Then that's when Lori pipes in and says, listen, I don't know your intentions on this call or if you're recording this for the cops. But then we see real manipulation coming in and she makes sure to throw in, I love you with all my heart and forever. And she continues to sprinkle her I love you Velcro ways. I appreciate those words, but if you really love me, you wouldn't have told the police that I had JJ with me. That's not, that's not what a friend does. I mean, that just makes me look weird and it, it just, it's not safe for me. That doesn't look good. I mean, you had to think of my welfare if you love me. I do, and I did exactly what I felt the Lord was instructing me to do. And I appreciate you and I love you. And I never do anything to harm you. And you can have all of this confirmed to you by the Lord. I have, and my, my conscience is clear. I feel very understanding what's really going on, Lori. And I believe that, look, I believe that you have been very deceived by Satan. I believe that he has tricked you. And I just, I don't believe that what you're doing is correct. I just don't, I mean, Tammy dies, and then your husband died. And then, these, and then he's missing. It just doesn't sound like God's plan to me. It just sounds, it gives me a gut feeling. Like in my gut, it feels weird. It doesn't feel right. I don't have peace about it. I never have felt 100% peace about it. I always felt like a little weird in my stomach about all these things. And right here in this call, Melanie seems to be realizing that Lori's full of it that she's lying and her gut is telling her something isn't right. She mentions Tammy and Charles and then JJ missing. Notable is she doesn't make mention of Tylee here. But at this point, this is 12 days before the authorities actually made the official statement or announcement that both kids are missing. That happened on December 20th. And Lori 
had told Melanie that Tylee was at BYU and she was hanging out with friends. We even see on body cam back in January 2019 that Tylee mentioned that she wanted to go to BYU. So it seems here like Melanie didn't really know much about Tylee being gone, meaning missing. She doesn't bring her up at all in here. Probably Lori's super thankful that she didn't. Yes, I don't believe that what you're doing is correct. I just don't, I mean, Tammy dies and then your husband died and then these, and then he's missing. It just doesn't sound like God's plan to me. It just sounds, it gives me a gut feeling like in my gut, it feels weird. It doesn't feel right. I don't have peace about it. I never have felt hundred percent peace about it. I always felt like a little weird in my stomach about all these things. You know me, Mel. You know me. Now, when she says, you know me, Mel, you know me, we heard this from Summer Shiflet. I pulled up the transcript, and this is what Summer Shiflet said about Lori. She says, and she said to me, you know me, and you know I've always taken care of my kids. And Summer says, and I do know that, I do know that, that it's removed every doubt in my mind and that she's done anything wrong. Well, you might want to reconsider, Summer. This does not sound like you. This sounds like you've been influenced by somebody dark who wants you to believe dark things and have fear and have fear of the celestial world. I don't have fear. You obviously do. No, I have a piece of conscience and I can see clearly. Well, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I love you so much. I know you do. Ever come up with this. It's just 
first off, there's so many lies in here, I don't even know how far my eyes can go back and roll in the back of my head. Oh, yeah, I can see Idaho. See, because nine days after Tammy died, Chad publishes a little essay titled, Moving into the Second Half of My Life. Listen to this. He says, My dear wife Tammy passed away in her sleep early Saturday, October 19th. When I awoke at around 6 a.m., it was clear she had been gone for several hours. It came as a shock. I couldn't believe I hadn't been awakened somehow, but all indications are that her spirit simply slipped away during the night. Her face looked serene, with her eyes closed and a slight smile. It was devastating to discover her that way, but I'm so grateful that her death was peaceful. Okay, let's talk about this. Chad said that Tammy actually went to bed the night before with a terrible cough. Miraculously, Chad hadn't been awakened somehow with all that coughing. Tammy's parents said that they saw her in the weeks before her death and she was healthy. And Tammy was supposedly training for a marathon. So I don't know how many people would go to bed with a terrible cough and have a peaceful sleep. Also in the published essay, he said that he woke up around 6 a.m. and it was clear she had been gone for several hours. And the coroner, which he does mention two coroners there, but the coroner estimated that Tammy died around 2 a.m. from my understanding. But here, here he's saying Tammy had heart problems. He says my son Garth was here the whole time. My kids were here within 20 minutes of her passing. Well, hmm, wait a minute. I thought you woke up at 6 and said she was dead or it it was obvious she was dead for several hours. Well, you're also saying the kids were here within 20 minutes. So what, you slept right through it or are you lying? Survey says. Also, you forgot one big important factor, Chad. The fact that you upped Tammy's life insurance substantially right before her death. Oops. Perhaps you should have written down some notes like you are in court. Pretty good in there, but could have done that so you could get your story straight at least. Oh, and I'd like to see your outgoing text messages the day that Tammy died. Because you like to brag and boast about your adventures, namely the raccoon, aka Tylee. So I do wonder what your text messages look like that night and that morning because I'm betting there's something. Let's continue. You can understand my concern, correct? I can from an outside perspective, but from an... From someone who knows as much as you know? No, not really. But we can feel Dave's influence on you. I can feel that for sure. He's a very good man and he has a very strong foundation that I know. I know, but he seems to be the one that's putting the doubts in your mind no, no, the, the, you know what, I have, I have come to understand that my gut feeling, I was not listening to it, and I always felt uncomfortable with uh, many things. Okay. Well, I'm sorry that I included you in those teachings then for your own sake, because I wish that you didn't have as much knowledge as you have, as you 
will be accountable for the knowledge that you do have, Mo. So will you. I agree 100%. Yeah. 100%. I have no fear. I have no fear of that. Pack your bags because you're going on a guilt trip. Lori knows that something is up and that Melanie's probably recording her, so now she's throwing her under the bus, in my opinion. She says, I'm sorry, Mel, I've included you in those teachings then, and you will be accountable for the knowledge that you do have, Mel. She particularly emphasizes Mel. And Melanie says, so will you. Also, they're trying to throw David under the bus. They don't like that David has a positive influence, in my opinion, on Melanie. And so they're trying to point it out because they need Melanie to be on their side. This isn't good for them if Melanie's starting to question their behaviors, right? What do you think? Let me know in the comments below. But I really, you know, as I was, I was reading the story of Korahor. And it is so very similar to this, you just can't see it. But he did it because he was trying to reclaim a people. And he thought at the very end, because of his carnal and natural desires, that's what influenced him. And he was very, very Carnal natural desires? Well, honey, you got a lot of natural desires. We all know that. That's what you think is me, Korahor? Are you kidding me right now? I think both of you have had similar right similarities. It's in the scriptures. It's in the scriptures. And the scriptures are very powerful. Yes, they are. I live by the scriptures, as you know. I know, but we can rest the scriptures for our own vain glory. I rested the scriptures? We can. We can do that. And I feel that you have to see our, our belief systems. Do I rest the scriptures? Is that what you're accusing me of at this point? I feel that you have. How? Why do you feel that way? I need an explanation on this. Because if you look, like the scripture just you shared, okay, you read the scriptures every single day. You know, I, I, oh, I know you read them. I don't doubt that. But the, this scripture right here says that you will be supported by all against the fiery darts of the adversary. You would have been supported if you had not opened dark portals and dark junk. You would have been safe. If you would have obeyed God, he would have had your back. But you have been chased and tortured. Whether he do this or not, I'm sorry? he has your back. So. Well, if he has your back, you would not not be able to tell me where you are. And we couldn't find JJ. Like, where is he? I've been asking, where is he? And you know what I mean? Like, that's... that's I can tell everything where JJ is right now. And that would not be good for JJ. It certainly wouldn't be good for JJ, would it, Lori? or you, or your secret. Now be prepared for the upcoming clips because there's more manipulating I love you's coming up. Also, as I alluded to the important phrase, I could tell everything where JJ is and that would not be good for JJ. So I'm sorry that you don't want me to protect my children, but I would never ask you to not protect your children. Of course you wouldn't. So I can tell that you're just adversarial, Mel. I love you. I'm sorry that you feel this way. Because I actually do care, I'm sharing what I feel for you because I know your salvation's in trouble for what you've done. My salvation is not in trouble at all. And I think you should check that with the Lord again. Well, I I felt a lot of things from the Lord. And this doesn't feel right. 
the best sentence out of the whole entire clip was when Melanie says, oh honey, we know you have natural desires. Best comment ever. The call hangs up. I'm willing to bet that's Lori hanging up on Melanie because she's starting to get pretty ticked off. Now at the beginning of the call, it's very light. Everybody's friendly. And Lori starts to get suspicious, asking about, you know, are you, I don't know if you're recording this or what your intentions are. So she starts throwing in her manipulations of, I love you, Mel. I'll always love you forever. And Chad pipes in with lies. And then Melanie talks about core whore and their behaviors. And in other interviews, Melanie references secret combinations as well. Again, I'll put that video in the description and you can take a look. Now, I'm gonna highlight just a few sentences from Lori throughout the call that makes it very interesting and very powerful. It's all about JJ and I've extracted the sentences. She says, I had to move him somewhere else. It's his danger. If they don't know anything, they don't have to say they know. I'm just keep him protected. I just needed to use, and then remember she didn't finish that sentence, but she says, I wouldn't have to tell somebody where he really was because they were going to tell Kay where he really is. Another line, he is safe and happy. Well, I'm just not telling anybody so that nobody has to say where he is or get questioned at where he is so I can keep him as safe as possible. It's the same story. I didn't even want Al to know. I don't want anybody to know so that nobody has to be worried about it. I mean, nobody has to be questioned about it so he can be safe. And finally, the most important line, he's not missing. I know exactly where he is. He's perfectly fine and safe. Because that's Lori where you want him hidden and safe from anybody knowing because it's your little dirty secret. And when she says safe and happy, it sounds like she means to say in her mind that he's exactly where he needs to be. She certainly repeats herself about, so nobody has to be worried or questioned about it so he can be safe. And remember, she projects. Also, a viewer, I believe it was in my live stream said, whenever people pass away in the Mormon religion that they say they're safe and happy. I don't know if that is accurate. Please let me know in the comments below. Now let's talk about the timeline for a second, which this call gives us some very little interesting info snacks. We'll start with November 26th. That was the welfare check. Also on this day, Lori and Chad call Melanie. Chad asks her not to answer the phone if the cops call. Lori also asked Melanie to lie and say that JJ was at a Frozen 2 movie. And she asks her to snap some pictures of kids running around to make it look like JJ was there. Now the next day on the 27th, that was the search warrant and that's when Lori and Chad take off. And why take off if you're innocent, right? Now on the 29th and 30th, Alex gets married to Zulema and Melanie Boudreaux gets married to Ian Pulowski. On December 1st, Lori and Chad hop a plane to Hawaii and I'm not sure of what the day was, but Melanie said she had talked to the authorities before this phone call. Now December 8th, 
She makes this phone call to Chad and Lori. And three days later, on December 11th, Tammy's body gets exhumed. And then on December 12th, four days after the phone call and one day after Tammy gets exhumed, Alex dies. So I wonder if Chad and Lori said that Alex had become a zombie. Also, in one of the Dateline episodes, there was talk about Zulema getting a call from Lori the day Alex died. Zulema's lawyers were speaking. Here's what they said. Zulema got a call from Lori who said, you need to check on Alex. I'm worried about him. So Zulema called Alex and he says, I can't breathe. I'm having a hard time breathing. And then she had the impression to call her son who was there in the home with Alex. Also, Melanie said that Alex knew that she was going to go to the cops. So in an interview, she says, he knew I was going to the police. Maybe he felt guilty. I mean, that's a lot of weight to carry as a person. There's a lot of things to extract from this phone call. I think Lori's in a lot of trouble just from what her words were regarding JJ. And Chad outright lies. There's some major discrepancies to what he says happened with Tammy and in another place where he says what happened to Tammy. He talks about his sister-in-law having conspiracy theories about what happened and it makes him sick to his stomach. And during that time, Larry and Kay actually were shaking their head too because they know that's a load of crap too. So there's so many things in here. Now, Melanie, we can hear her trying to question, where are you guys? Where is JJ? Why can't you tell me? And then she brings up Korahor and she brings up about, you know, how she thinks they are the Antichrist and that they have been deceived. Let me know what you think in the comments below about this call. We're going to be doing more deep dives. Thank you so much for watching. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Click that like button and click that share button. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon.